Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. But of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also, also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. Happy Sunday, everybody. How we doing? Oh, man. Online people, how we doing? Give me some uh, hand claps in the chat room. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are here with us as well. Um, one of the things I love to do as a pastor is answer questions. So if you have any questions, feel free to text me or text us, and we will respond throughout the week through social media uh, with all your questions that are uh, crazy or solemn or whatever. We would love to take care of those. Now, we are in a series called Joy Unshackled, and we've been looking at what it is to have joy in the midst of being shackled to circumstances which aren't so joyful. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a clue? I'm getting a lot of uh, no smile responses. That's very frustrating. Uh, but what, what, I, what I know is that, at least in my house, I've kind of taken on this new world of like the enforcer, all right, during the workday. So anytime there'll be a meeting, there'll be like meeting, meeting, and then like a 20-minute break, then now it's my turn to come in and help enforce the rules of uh, life, right? So, if, you know, when you can't go out to parks, uh, you now have to play in your house, and your house becomes a, you know, human disaster area. And so I was tasked on one particular day to go up and rectify the situation that was in the playroom. Uh, there was uh, Play-Doh, and there were Legos, and there was Pokemon cards, and there was uh, a s assortment of video game accessories sprawled out all over the floor. And so my task was uh, given to me from my wife uh, to get them for once to clean the room, right? So I get Austin and Jet and Titus and the baby is up there as well because I think she was just done at that point. And uh, I, I get in there and I'm like, all right, we're going to clean this room. And you would have might as well have said, I'm going to sentence you to hard labor, making big rocks into small rocks for the rest of your life. The, the groans uh, were just, un, you know, unconceived. This was horror. And, uh, and th they all agreed it was a mess, but... 
divided on who should clean it up. And it went more like, I did it last time. I always have to do this, that kind of thing. So Austin came up with his, he's our oldest. And said, I'm always the one who has to clean this up. I, I'm the oldest. I should have to do the least. And, you know, that was kind of the, what came out of his mouth. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then, and then eventually we start the cleaning process, which is, you know, you'd think the Legos weighed about 10,000 pounds. And they started to put them into the tub. And I left and I came back. And there was Austin sprawled on the floor like this. I'm like, what happened? Did you get hit? Did you fall down? He's like, no. It's just too hard. <laughs> the reality is there was division, there was pride, and there was this discomfort intolerance that my boys are facing that I'm trying to help them overcome as a good dad would. Now, if we look at the state of our country right now, we are divided. Um... There's a lot of pride going on. It's not my fault. There's media talking to politicians, politicians talking to media. There's conservatives talking to liberals, liberals talking to conservatives. And it's one-way conversations going, it's not my fault, it's yours. And then, and then um, there is this thing of discomfort and tolerance where it, it will come up where, listen, I, I would love to lean into this, but that last social media post offended me so deeply. I'm checking out not only social media, but I'm going to my own the people that I'm comfortable with, I'm going back there and I'm going to retreat and I'm out and I'm done. And I think if we're honest, if we're honest, it's not just at home during uh, coronavirus. It's not just our country during pandemic slash social uh, racial unrest, but it's also within the church. And so I want us never forget to forget what the church is all about. You, you remember this, right? The mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission, right? There wasn't, it was this thing where Jesus is like, go and make disciples of all nations. The church hadn't formed yet. Then the church formed around the mission of reaching people with the life-changing reality that is Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want us to take a look at. There's really, as we come to a hardship, it's, it's going to come up in our lives, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's rioting and looting or whatever it might be, there's going to be hardship. And through that, when hardship comes, Christians, sometimes we don't advance the gospel because of division. Because of pride. It's not my fault. Blame you instead of taking ownership. And then discomfort and tolerance probably becomes the one that becomes biggest because um, I know just... There's this thing in me that when someone offends me, I don't want to engage them. I want to post something angry and then run away from them. But as a church, we're called to something way different. And in a time of crisis, this is when revival, this is when people's hearts are most ready to receive the joy that comes from what Jesus can do in your life. Most people, come, well, all people come to Christ in a crisis. All people do. There's this crisis of understanding that my sin is so powerful and I can't escape the consequence of it. Help me, Jesus. That's how every one of us comes to faith in Christ through that crisis. So this morning, um, I want us to really advance the gospel, even when things are so crazy. I want that to be on our heart and the heartbeat of our lives. And we're in the book of Philippians, and Paul is writing from a place of hardship. He's in prison. 
And he's writing to a great church, a church that he loves. But did you, I know this is going to be shocking to you that even 2,000 years ago, there was people in the church that didn't get along. And Paul is going to send some texts and sort of blast them in a sense to say, get along. In fact, he's going to call out names specifically. I'm not, I'm not going to do that this morning or today. You guys don't have to worry about that. But the reality is he's so direct about the issues going on in this church that he wants to be very clear about the unity that is so desperately needed in a time when it wasn't so fun to have. And at the same time, he's also advancing the gospel while chained up under house arrest to his prison guard, and it's like six-hour shifts or whatever, and he gets a new guy to share the gospel with all the time. And everybody that he knows is coming to faith in Christ, and he doesn't even go anywhere. His evangelism from his house, it's beautiful. And so this morning, uh, I want us to start in Philippians chapter 1 and this letter that Paul's writing, and he's going to wrap our head around gospel advance during hardship. You guys ready? Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, here's a fun, can we do a Greek moment with everyone here? All right, you guys ready for this? This is actually one Greek word. Your manner of life be worthy of. It's this word, polis they. All right, I would say that three times fast. And it comes from the root word is polis. I mean, where are my Greek students here? Polis, anyone know what that word means? City! That's right, city. Wow, we got some smarties in here. All right, so only let your manner of life be worthy of like the city pride that you, sh- you should exhibit. In other words, your citizenship. Only let your life live up to the citizenship that you have in the gospel of Christ. You are first, listen to me, you are first citizens of heaven. That becomes your primary it's not Texas, although God has blessed Texas with his own hands. And he brought down angels from the promised land. He gave us a place. I'm sorry. All right. So what happens is that it's not just Texas that you are a citizen of, but rather you are a citizen of heaven. And so therefore you live with like that. So whether I come and see you, verse one, or I or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit. The Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that runs through a different color believer runs through me. That's the same reality. Watch, with one mind. We've got the same focus, striving side by side, not against one another. Striving, there's a battle. And the battle isn't against flesh and gut, blood, it's the spiritual forces of darkness in this present age. Side by side for the faith of the gospel. What's the gospel? I mean, we just said gospel two times, and if we don't have a definition of what that means, you get stuck. The gospel is you are a broken, hopeless sinner, and Jesus came from heaven to earth. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he's coming back. That is the gospel message that we hear to. And we don't get frightened in anything by our opponents. Now, this is a clear sign to them, our opponents. Who are the opponents? It's not like... We're going to go up and we're going to battle somebody. But those who are living their lives saying, I don't think, I don't believe that what you're doing is right. There is no way to heaven. It is this life now. People who have a a this life now mentality, this is a clear sign of them for their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So what it means is when we live our lives in unity, and remember Jesus said this, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. 
not by your snarky Facebook comments, not by how your, your political agenda, they're not going to know Jesus. They're not going to know him by that. They're going to know him by the way you love one another. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And this is where a lot of us go, um, we get uncomfortable. And here's why, here's why. You would say, listen, I'm all about believing. Believing in him has given me great comfort. But the suffering part, um, I don't do suffering. <laughs> suffering is for the other people. Maybe that's other people who live in another neighborhood. Maybe it's another people who live in another country. But I don't do suffering. And what Paul is writing He's saying everybody's going to be suffering at one point or another. That's, that's the way it is when it comes to gospel. And then you would say, wait, hold on, hold on. I remember in the Bible, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember that part? But Jesus then also says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, tape up his cross, and follow me. Which one, Jesus? Which one is it? I, I, and it's both. This is where Jesus makes us comfortable because uh, we are saved from the depth of our sin, but then he takes us to a place of discomfort so we can lean in to a culture that is desperately needing to hear the message of hope that we have. And that is being engaged in the same conflict. So you've got one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here I still have. He's, in, he's stuck to another Roman guard. And his days look a lot the same. Every day looks the same. Just a new guard that comes in and gets strapped to him. And so what we're learning here is that Christians focus on the unity of the gospel to overcome hardship. Here's what I love about the gospel. Um, no matter what your color, no matter uh, what your socioeconomic status, no matter where you come from, you come to Christ in a moment of crisis like we talked about. But if you have like a story where you had a broken family or there maybe there was alcoholism or drug addiction or maybe there was a, some unbelievable persecution or struggle that you had to face and you overcame all that because Jesus found you in the darkness of your plight and he loved you and he said I'm going to take you home and we're going to overcome and I've chosen you in your mind that's powerful but it took the same amount of blood to save that guy as a person that grew up in a Christian house and at five years old because their, their Christian parents loved them and said welcome to the family of God good news Jesus died on the cross for your sins which was like you punched your brother and that might be all of the bad things you think you may have done but it's way worse than that you're on your projectile path toward hell and he saved you and you grew up in a great home and you love God and both those people from opposite ends of the spectrum were saved by the same blood of Jesus and here's what's so great, that those who have like the testimony of like, I've always been in church, been in church my whole life, Jesus saved me, yeah, I got it. They can be overwhelmed by God's amazing love to save those that came from absolute brokenness and needed a miracle. And then those who needed the miracle can look at those who grew up in church their whole life and have the testimony that's not so exciting. And they say, well, teach me what it is to have a Christian home where mom and dad love each other, where there's this place of children are disciplined, but they're also loved, where there's this firm thing on growing up in righteousness, but this unbelievable, lavish amount of love poured on their life. And both people can respect where they came from because the cross of Christ unites. And we need that.
We need that. And that's the beauty of like the church. It's not the rich people church. It's not the white people church. It's not whatever socioeconomic status you want it to be. It is for all, this is where the billionaires and the bums, they all come together and they worship the same God because we're all broken before the master and the king. I love this quote. I'm a Pat Mahomes fan. Uh, I am a fair-weathered fan. I'm sorry, all right? So they won, and I was for him, okay? And he was on my fantasy team, and so that made me extra for him. And uh, as I was, you know, perusing social media, I, I came up upon his post. And if you don't know who he is, just think famous guy, football player, okay? And, he's, and he's, he said, I've tried to put my feelings into words. As a kid who was born with a black dad and a white mom, I've been blessed to be accepted for who I am my entire life. But that isn't the case for everyone. The senseless murders that we have witnessed are wrong and cannot continue in our country. And I was like, yeah. And then he, then he kind of gives us some advice. He says, all I can think about is how I grew up in a locker room. Here's Pat as a kid. His dad was a major league pitcher. Right? Uh, all I can think about is when I grew up in a locker room where people from every race, every background, every community came together and became brothers to accomplish a single goal. I hope that our country can learn from the injustices we have witnessed to become more like the locker room. And I was like, that's great. And I love that he pointed out that they accomplished a single goal, and that was to win a championship. And what he's saying is like, if it didn't matter where the wide receiver came from, if he was uh, Tyreek Hill, who's super fast and he's black, or if he's Travis Kelsey and he's super big and he's white, he could throw a pass to either of those guys as long as they had the same goal of catching the pass and running over or running around or running faster than other guys to score a touchdown. And at the end of the day, as long as they won, it didn't matter where everybody came from. As long as that guy guarded his blind side and he didn't get sacked and drilled to get a concussion, that guy was his boy. Now, and I love, I love Pat. I love his heart. I love the quote. Here's the problem with this quote. You're on the team as long as you perform. As long as you catch the ball, as long as you don't get hurt, as long as you make the block, you're in. But eventually, if you don't, they want to win a Super Bowl. The goal is to win a Super Bowl, and you're going to get cut if you don't make it. And this is where, I, this is where the church is even greater. Because no matter what, even if you're, at a gr- you're working for a great corporation and a great team, if you stop performing, eventually you're going to get fired. But this is where the gospel movement is so powerful that what Jesus has a plan, right? Jesus has got this incredible plan that uh, his goal, his win, and he's our team captain, uh, he is our coach, and he is the owner, right? He's kind of all things. And uh, his win is I want to see every tribe, every nation, every tongue confess. I want black, white, red, yellow, brown. I want it all, and I want them all. And your mission is going to get them. And so that's the team. And so we bring in people from all sorts because that's who God has given us. And we go on mission to reach people. But here's what's so cool. And this is what, to, to reach people, we've got to work as a team. And to work as a team, we've got to have unity. And that means we've got to understand one another. And that means we've got to have the conversation about what was it like to grow up as somebody who is you. Did you know that uh, God made people different races? Like, you are the color you are because God wanted you to be that color. That God made you with the, with the distinct background that you have for a purpose. It wasn't like, oh, 
dang it, I messed that one up, and now I've, I've created a whole bunch of division. It, no, no, he gave us that as a gift to show how he, the God of all creation, could have a mission to value every person and be a father, which is why Jesus has a distinct race that he was born into. Some Middle Eastern dude is the savior of the world, but he's also 100% God. And so as me, as a white guy, I worship a Middle Eastern God-man. And what he's saying is, I want this pause to stay, that, that, that your citizenship of heaven to overwhelm you. So you can hear the background, but where they came from is different, but where they're going is the exact same. Where they came from is different, but where they're going is the exact same, and our mission is the same, and our focus is the same, and we want to win. And when you play on a team, and when you go and you fight and you battle alongside each other, you hear the story, you hear the testimony, and it makes you just a richer respect and love for one another. And so that becomes the Matthew 11, you know, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And the Luke 9, 23, which is the, uh, if anyone would come after him, must deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. Those two come together. And it becomes this beautiful thing of where we get to bring comfort and at the same time get uncomfortable as we focus on this thing of unity as the gospel goes forward. Now, if you guys notice in sports, you can, got, you can have a team, but sometimes unity doesn't come with humility. And this is where uh, Paul is going to get more direct. Watch this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, chapter 2, verse 1, any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. Fun Greek word, this is quanonia. This means fates intertwined, joint participation. I'm interlocked. Your future and my future are interlocked forever. Your sorrow and my sorrow are interlocked. Your joy and my joy are interlocked. If any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry. This is me looking out for me. This isn't a team sport. I want to, I'm going to do things so I can get myself ahead or conceit because I'm just a little bit better. Listen, God needed me on the team. He, you may have got in by grace. I got in because I was awesome. I think there's a, a reality that we need to overcome that sort of mentality because everybody comes in because you are nothing. And the, what makes Christianity so difficult is you have to have nothing and know it. It's your nothingness that allows you to be accepted into the family of God, that you bring nothing to the table but your brokenness and your sin. All right, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. And I love verse four. My son has memorized verse four because we need to memorize verse four. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this is where we struggle. But watch, Christians focus on humility and unity of the gospel to overcome Hardship. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. You see this in sports, okay, sort of. You see this in the military. When I was a, a company commander, my first sergeant and I, every now and then, uh, when Chow would come out to the field, uh, I would get like a spoonful of mashed potatoes, a bunch of beans, and uh, first sergeant and I would look at each other and be like, ah, that's kind of what we signed up for. Whereas all of our soldiers had, had all the meat and the salad and all the dessert good stuff, and we were just sort of like, that's how you do it. Eat, leaders eat last. Maybe you've never been in the military. You don't be like, what are you talking about? 
but in your family you get this. You, everyone's been a kid, and so you knew that when it came to food, if there was a shortage of food, if you were somewhere going on a car trip and there was a snacks, then you got it, not only just because you whined and tortured people like my kids do me, but the reality is you're going to take care of the kids first because that's what you do. Le- leaders eat last. But here's what I've found in the church. And don't get, this is where I'm going to offend some people. So, um, well, that's what happens. Um, a lot of us love the first half of verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. In other words, you like to look after your own interests. I like to look after my own interests. The problem comes when we want to put, look also to the interests of others. And listen, if you're in crisis, I am so glad you're here. And I'm, listen, I'm not expecting you to look after my needs. I'm just not. I, that, I'm, I'm in vocational ministry. God called me to go and serve people. I love what I do. I get to minister to people all day long. It is super, super fun and awesome. And don't do ministry expecting people to minister to you. That is not why you sign up. Okay, just FYI. But, but if you want to move from ministry to family, hear me, if you want to move from ministry, a person that is ministered to, to a family member who looks after my needs as well, and you're not just a project kid, you with me? Listen, I'm here. I'm here for you. But if you want to become a friend, then you look after my needs. It would be really difficult for us to be friends if you to walk up to me and be like, yo, Chris, I love you, love your sermons, but your kids, man, they are train wrecks. I can't do that. I, I, listen, can, you, can we just like get your kids away from me? They're awful. And I'd be like, you're off. No, you know, I mean, I think we all have that moment, right? I'd be like, oh, I love you and I'm going to serve you and God bless you, but we're not going to be friends. Or, or if you come at me and you start talking about yourself and then you keep talking about yourself and then you keep talking about yourself and then like I'm just like a listening post in general, I, I do counseling. That's what I do. But... We're not going to be friends. Not that I don't love you. It's going to be very hard for you to befriend me because you haven't looked after my own interests. That's what family does. And the church is a family, right? We have a, that same moment where we, we're all born again. And when we're born again, that means you have something to offer me as a family member of God. And you're like, no, Chris, you know everything already. You're the pastor. You're, Listen, I need, I'm just a broken sinner right alongside of you. I need help just like everybody else. And so when you look at me or you look at anybody sort of in leadership or in ministry as, in, as someone that's sort of there as like um, your own personal listening post or your own like person you're going to beat down at for a while and they can take it, I'm sure they can because God has blessed them with that position. But if you want to be a person that has an interaction where your joints are inter- joints, where your lives are intertwined, your fates are intertwined, you have got to look after their interests as well. Does that make sense? If you want to know why people get burned out, it's this. They look after their own interests, their own interests, and then eventually they don't have any friends. And they burn out. What God's saying is like, when you start to look after interests of others, man, it's going to change your whole world. All right, look. So the, the hard thing to say is like, uh, you, need a, you need a picture of what this looks like. And Paul gives us that picture. He says, hey, listen, I know this is hard to wrap your head around, um, but let's take a look at Jesus. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, 
who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God. Look at this. He is fully God, 100% God, 100% man. He did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave. A slave. I used to have an old pastor tell me once, like, it's like God wanted to reconcile the world to himself, and it's like us looking at fish and trying to talk to them, and every time you get close, they all swim away. And to get near, it's like God had to become, or a, a person had to become a fish. Because it is a, from God to man, that is a huge demotion. But he's fully God, becomes fully man, taking on the form of a slave. Remember, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By looking like other men and by sharing in human nature, he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. You guys remember Jesus, uh, before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden and he's like, God, if there's any other way, no, 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 if there's any other way, and he's praying, and he's in he's agony. He's sweating blood. He's going to Peter, James, and John. Yo, guys, pray with me. I'm in agony over here. And they're like, no, what? And they fall asleep. <clears throat> and he's praying, saying, God, would you please, 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 please do a work? Please, God, please, please, I need you. Oh, I need you. Would you please let this cup pass from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. If there's any other way, if there's Muhammad, if there's like seven steps to enlightenment, if there's another way, I'll take that way. But he hears the Father says no, and he becomes obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And on that cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, he takes on hell. All the hell that you have brought forth, all the, all the stuff our sins deserve, he takes it for us. And that was the mission, to win the world. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, red, yellow, black, and white, confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christians focus on Christ's humility and unity of the gospel to overcome hardship. That's the gospel. Jesus on the cross, his, his righteousness imputed, that means it's like stamped on us. You can't like, you don't like some sort, sort of like work your way to, you, you attained it. No, it's just stamped on you the moment you believe. And then your sin stamped on him as he's on that cross. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God, which then makes heaven a mosaic of color because his goal is every tribe, every nation. And isn't that beautiful? All of heaven becomes like this picture of what it was all designed to be. And that's why we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to reflect here on earth. I want this church to be a reflection of heaven and not a reflection of my own personal confirmation bias. And so that becomes our rallying call to make our church look a lot like heaven, and then they will know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another, not because they all like the same things you like, not because they all came from the same culture you came from, not because they all have the basic same SES that you have. That is not it. it what brings us together is the blood of Jesus. So this morning, the, this day, this Sunday, how are you overcoming hardship? 
Is it by just putting, casting blame on somebody else and you feel just a little bit better and maybe that'll make it just a little bit easier for you? Or when things get uncomfortable, do you check out? When that tweet, that post, and it's somebody that you thought thought like you and all of a sudden they thought like somebody else and that made you angry, are you reaching out and saying, hey, what do you mean by that? I'd love to talk about it. Or are you just blasting, just doing a, when people say that, and you just blast social media, and then everybody feels just a little bit sadder as the year has made us all sad. But there's hope. There's such great hope. This is why we sing the songs. This is why we gather together in, in groups to get, say, like, our God is so big, and how great, and how large, and Lord, you're so good, and we just ask that you would do a work in us. And so this morning, we're going to take some communion. And we're going, to re, we're going to ask that you would repent or any darkness of your heart, of any like, things that you're wearing. Did you know that Jesus, uh, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. In other words, I want you to feed on this bread, or I want you, your soul to feed on Jesus, or on me, as he would say, like your stomach feeds on this bread. And so every time you take of it, you remember that that's the, your whole hope, the bread of life is your hope, and it's, it's an eternal hope that you have. And that same night, he took the cup. So this is my bloodshed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So you remember that in humility, Jesus took on the cross and his blood was shed to save you and to save me. And we remember that, that that is our hope and our heart and everything revolves around that mission. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask that if you're here or if you're watching online and you're gonna take communion, we're gonna have a song that's gonna go in between we're going to have a time, sorry, we're going to have a time where we're just going to take a break and we're just going to ask God to call us to repent and convict us. It's also a time, if you've got any prayer requests, email us, prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com and our elders and our team here would love to be praying for you. But before we do that, if you're not a Christian and you're watching online, you're just like, I want to learn, I want to know, I want to, whatever. I want you to know that Jesus loves you right where you're at in all the darkness, and all your sin, and all your resistance. He wants you. And that thing in your heart that sort of explodes is him saying, come home and be where you're supposed to be. And so if that's you, would you just simply say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. You rose to the dead. Ask the Holy Spirit, come to my life, make me the person you want me to be. Would you do that? And if you are a Christian, you've been walking this thing out for a while and maybe you've gotten frustrated and you've gotten maybe even a little bit prideful and you sort of cast blame on another group and, you, and you're not taking ownership for your own stuff and it's uncomfortable to lean into that. Would you take this time just let the Lord settle on your heart? Repent. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being the, the God of all creation, that you would be in complete control. And Jesus, you're doing a great work and that people here need you. They need you to know um, that they are broken and they need you to save them. And Father, they need to know that you are coming for them, that you sent your son Jesus to rescue them. Jesus, Father, you sent the Holy Spirit to just convict our hearts and we need you. So Lord, maybe somebody for the very first time just cry out and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, would you save them? 
God, for those that are um, saved, those that know you, and would you just remind them, bring up maybe their sin before them, and then have them just say, I believe that you've taken it all, and I just repent, and I come back to the thing that gives me life. That's you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.